All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, Josh, what happened over there? Married life must be good to you. You gained weight, broke a chair, or what? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> got to do what we got to do, I guess. <clears throat> okay. This morning, I uh, have a, a message from the book of Judges. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. And we're going to be, uh, I'll kind of go through a little bit at first, just the introduction, but mostly we're going to be in the last three chapters of the book of Judges. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all the verses of all three chapters. So uh, I will try to summarize it as best I can, but we don't have to read them all. Um, so uh, before we get started, though, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for, for your word and, and the, the, the wonderful things that we can glean from it. Uh, Lord, this, this passage is one of the... Uh, I guess more darker passages. It's in your Word, Lord, but uh, uh, I know you put it in there for a reason, uh, as, as you you put all of the words in, the, in your Bible, Lord. Uh, you inspired everything, and uh, Lord, there's lessons to be learned here too, and we just thank you for that. Uh, Lord, just pray that you'll help me to, uh, to to convey a message that you want me to convey today, and, and uh, may it all be a blessing unto you. And I ask these things in the Jesus name. Bye. Amen. Okay, uh, so the book of Judges. Uh, just start here with a little bit of, uh, I think I'm in the wrong, wrong thing here. Okay, uh, starting in the book of Judges. We'll start in, uh, a little bit in chapter 2. The book of Judges is kind of divided up in three parts. you got kind of a prologue, an introduction, which reviews what has happened up to up. Uh, near the end of the book of Joshua, which is the preceding book. Um, and in it, uh, Joshua, you know, ends his, ends his life, and the Israelites are now kind of on their own uh, without a appointed leader for, for the, whole, the whole nation. So uh, go here in uh, chapter 2, starting verse 7, Judges 2, 7. It says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, Eris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, or the work he had done for Israel. So, like I said, this is the end of the book. End of what happened in the book of Joshua. Uh, Joshua uh, had led uh, the Israelites over into the Promised Land across the, the River Jordan, and they had done a lot of conquests to claim the land that God had promised them. Uh, pretty much everything had been claimed at, at this point. There was a little bit they still had to get, had to get, uh, but. Uh, even with Joshua's leadership, the Israelites were not successful in getting everything that they were supposed to get. Uh, but now with Joshua gone, uh, and the elders that were, you know, around with him, 
well, things are going to change here. So let's go to verse 11. It says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and Asheroth, so that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were terrible. They were in terrible distress. So God at this point, uh, like I said, now the, 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 the leaders and the elders that had, along with Joshua, that had led the nation in the right ways, the ways of the Lord, they're gone. They've passed on. They've died. So now a new generation has come up, and they have just forgotten all about God. And therefore, they're getting punished for it. They're going to be uh, plunderers. Uh, since they were unable to wipe out all of the people that were in Canaan, there was all the, the, the Hittites and the Amorites and, I, and all the ites that were around there, all the Jebusites, all those, those people that were still in the land, which they were supposed to basically drive out and take all the land for themselves. Now, all those people are influencing the nation of Israel and turning them into an adulterous people uh, and, and sinful people. So the Lord is, is, uh, is, gives him punishment. But the Lord in his mercy, in, ver in chapter six, and, and verse 16, says, And the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from their in the way in which your fathers had walked and obeyed the commandments of the Lord. Those same ten commandments that the Lord was just talking about, they've just, they've just thrown those all, all away. Um, verse 18 says, Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who, were afflicted, who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back, were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them, bowing down to them, for they did not drop any other practices or stubborn ways. So this is kind of the introduction I was talking about. Uh, the book of Judges it has a cycle here, a cycle of rebellion, oppression, repentance, and then salvation uh, from Israel's enemies. And this happens several times, I think six times, uh, until you come to the near the end of the book, and the last of the judges is recorded is perhaps maybe the most familiar would be Samson. Samson was a judge. Um, you know, if you don't remember Samson, he was the one who had the long hair, cut his hair off, he lost all his strength. Um, but it follows this cycle. Uh, the Israelites would go rebel against God, not follow his commandments. God would punish them. Uh, that would be the oppression part. He would he would usually punish them by putting them into slavery underneath the, the the Canaanite people, and then they would cry out to God. God would say, "Okay, I will send you a judge to help lead you out of this this oppression." And everything would be good for a little while until the judge died. Guess what? The whole cycle starts over again. The rebellion, oppression, repentance, salvation. Like I said, it happened like six times. 
So that gets you all the way up through. That's like that's a summary of Judges all the way up through chapter 16. Now there's five more chapters in the book of Judges, and when I would read them, they always seem like, what? Why is this in the Bible? This is such a, a odd story. It's kind of it's really a dark story. Um, I didn't really understand where it's where it where it kind of came into effect. Uh, well, when Pastor asked me to ask if I would be interested in preaching, I was like, sure. Um, and uh, actually, you know, I, he said, this is actually the first weekend or first Sunday he's missed since he's been here. So uh, I haven't been up here in a while. I'm a little nervous today. So, But anyway, that's okay. Uh, we'll get through this. Um, but anyway, whenever whenever I was I was saying, okay, well, we'll talk about today. And I, was, I come back to this. I was reading through this, these chapters like what what is this what's this mean and so it gives me a good excuse to really dive in and study a little bit more um, and I, I if you didn't get anything out of this I did so today it's all about me I guess but whatever not really it's all about the Lord um, so uh, like I said I don't have time to read the whole the whole last I'm gonna concentrate on the last three chapters 19 20 21 but I don't have time to read them all but uh, we'll go. We'll kind of summarize this. First thing we want to note is, even though these chapters come at the end of the book of Judges, that's not really chronologically where they came in the timeline. Uh, you have have uh, actually, it probably should be closer to where the beginning of, of the time period of, the, of, of Judges. Uh, we can see this because there's several several cues in chapter 18, for example. Uh, it covers that the, the tribe of Dan had not yet, uh, they were not yet in occupying their promised inheritance, the land that they were, they were promised. Uh, that comes, that, that talks about it in chapter uh, 18 and 19, or, or 17 and 18. Uh, also in chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, it says Jerusalem is called Jabus uh, because it's still occupied by the Jebusites. The Jebusites had not been driven out of Jerusalem yet during during this, these passages here. So that came early in, the, in Judges when the Jebusites were defeated. Um, and also, there's a, another key is in chapter 20, it talks about Phineas. Uh, he's the priest at the time. And Phineas was the son of Eleazar, who was the son of Moses. So, uh, or Aaron, now I'm confused. Aaron or Moses. It was, it was, he was, he, but he was one, you know, he was only like a couple generations uh from from Moses, so um, it tells you it was pretty early in the history of, of the book of Judges. So if I had to title these these chapters, they like there would be two sections of it. Chapter 17 and 18, uh, we might title it the religious downfall of Israel, and chapters 19 through 21 would be the moral downfall of Israel. So you have the religion part uh, where they went away from God. And then you have the moral part where they went away from basically all decency. Uh, two different, these two different types of degrading of the character of the nation of Israel. Uh, the one led to the other. Go away from God. Guess what? You're going to go into sin, and you're going to do these these awful things that they, they did during the during the last three chapters. Uh, so they fell away from God, and that led to the absence of what most people would or should think of as moral and humane. Uh, they really went away from that. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, uh, introduce it here, is there are also four key verses in these chapters, and they're all very similar. 
verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 6, chapter 18, verse 1, chapter 19, verse 1, and chapter 21, verse 25, which is the last verse of the book. Uh, I have, I think I have on the screen, I have Judges 17, 6. All four of these verses are really similar. Uh, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. That's in all those verses. And in, she and, uh, in the first verse and the last verse in that group, it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So now they're not doing what's right in God's eyes. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. That's something to remember here. So now we get into, uh, move forward, let's start in uh, Judges 19. Like I said, that was my introduction. I'll get into the main part here. Judges 19, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. A certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, who took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. Okay, so this man, Levite, it's a priestly tribe, uh, lived in the country of Ephraim, uh, which is just north of, of, of Bethlehem and, and Judah. And, of course, we all know Bethlehem, Judah. That's where Jesus is born, right? That's where he's going to be born uh, later on. Uh, so that's that's kind of the the background of where they're at here. So the Levite took the, took the woman, and his concubine was unfaithful to him. And she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and there and was there some four months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys. And she brought him into his, her father's house, and when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. And his father-in-law, the girl's father, made him stay, and he remained with him three days, so they ate, drank, and spent the night there. So uh, the man, uh, the Levite, had a concubine with his wife, you know, became his wife. Uh, she was from Bethlehem, Judah. She was unfaithful to him, went back to her father in Bethlehem, and, and was there for four months before the man said, you know what, I'm going to go get my wife back. So he's going to try to sweet talk her to come, hey, why don't you come back, back to Ephraim, live with me back where we're back in our house. When the man got there, or the Levite got there, the father-in-law says, hey, come on in. And it was it was a traditional thing for, for hospitality. It was big, you know. You had to be there three or four days, and there was a lot of partying and eating and drinking and being merry. Um, so they did that for three days. And in verse 8, it says, on the fifth day, he arose early in the morning to depart. And the girl's father said, strengthen your heart and wait till the day declines. So they, they did again. They ate some more, probably drank some more. Uh, had you know had good time. Uh, verse nine says, when the man his concubine and his servant rose up to depart, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, "Behold, now the day is waned toward evening. Please spend the night. Behold, the day draws to its close. Lodge here and let your heart be merry. Tomorrow you shall rise early in the morning for your journey and go home." Uh, so father-in-law was like, "Hey, you know what? It's getting to be afternoon time. We've been here all day. Been we've been having a good time." You know, like I said, hospitality is a big thing in the Middle East at this time. Why don't you go ahead and stay, stay another night? You can get up early in the morning and go again. Well, by this time, <laughs> this has already happened like three times now. So finally, the man, the Levite's like, you know, I got to get home. So he would not spend the night in verse 10, but the man would not spend the night. He rose up and departed and arrived opposite of Jebus, which is Jerusalem. He had with him a couple of saddled donkeys, and his concubine was with him. Uh, when they were near Jebus, 
The day was nearly over, and the servant said to his master, Come now, let us turn aside to the city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. His master said to him, We will not turn aside into the city of the foreigners, who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. I think I have a map next, I hope. Yeah. Okay, I got a few more verses here. Judges 13. 1913 says, He said to this young man, Come, let us draw near to one of the, these places and spend the night at Gibeah or Ramah. So they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. Now I hope I have a map. Yes, I have a map. Take a good look at it because this is the only pictures I've got today. It's all verses. All right. Uh, you see uh, down here at the bottom, you see Bethlehem, Judah which is where the, the, the girl was from. That's where her father was living. That's where they were at. You can see up here in Ephraim, uh, up there is where uh, the man lived. That's where he was from. So they were passing from here up into Ephraim back to his house. In order to get there, they went through Jerusalem. It's about seven miles from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. still is today. They haven't moved. Um, so, you know, it's it's in the after. You leave in the afternoon. You got to go seven miles to get to Jerusalem. That's doable. But remember, Jerusalem at this time is uh, occupied by the Jebusites, which are not part of the, the nation of Israel. So the man, the Levite says, "I'm not going to stay there. That's a bunch of foreigners." So he says, "We're going to go head up to Gibeah." So that's where they end up. End up in Gibeah. In verse 15, they turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah, and he went in and sat down in the open square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. Uh, and behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at the evening. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah, the men of the place were Benjamites. So uh, on the map, you might have seen that uh, Gibeah was in the region that was called Benjamin, that's where the tribe of Benjamin had taken their inheritance. That's where they lived. Um, and there was a man, he was, he was also from Ephraim, but he was living in uh, in Gibeah. So, you know, he's like, oh, I've got another another man that's from Ephraim here. He doesn't have a place to stay. Well, I'll let him stay with me tonight. Um, so in verse 18, talks about... Uh, how the man who was passing from Bethlehem into Ju in Judah to the remote parts of Ephraim, for which I come, I went to Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord, but no one has taken me into his house. And in verse 21, the man, so he brought him into his house and gave, gave the donkeys feed, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. There's a hospitality again. they got to go in. they got to have a good time, I guess, whenever you're visiting someone. Okay, here's where things Get bad. Uh, start again, 19, chapter 19, verse 22. So, as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, Bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. So, this is a, if you remember back in Genesis, if you've ever read that, there was a similar story. Uh, two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. They had a very similar thing happen there. 
where people came in to visit Lot, uh, and people uh, uh, of the city, they wanted to, hey, bring the men out. We want to know them. We want to have sex with them. It's what they wanted to do. They wanted to have a homosexual rape. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, what else can you say about it? It's wrong. It's, it's a bad thing. Uh, but that's what they wanted to do. That's the same thing they want to do here. So in verse 23, the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not do this vile thing. So same kind of response as was back in Genesis. Uh, the, the man who was, who was the master of the house said, Hey, don't. Don't do this. Don't, I, this man is here. He's, he's my guest. You don't want to do this. This is a bad thing. Why would you do something so evil and so wicked? Uh, verse 24, Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do what seems good to you. But against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. So, remember how I said everyone did what was right in their own eyes? Well, they thought it would be better for them to, for him to give his daughter to these men. Uh, and then the concubine of the uh, or the wife of, the, of the, the Levite who was visiting him, they thought it would be better for them to have them for the night rather than to have the man. But the men would not listen to him, so the, so the man, this would be the Levite, he seized his concubine and made her go out to him, and they knew her and abused her all night until the morning, and the dawn began to break. They let her go. So the Levite, he finally took his, his wife, the one he'd traveled all the way back down to Bethlehem to retrieve, and get her to come back with him. Now he's just taking her and says, throwing her out the door into this mob of, of, of evil men. And uh, and as the morning appeared, in verse 26, as the morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. And her master rose up in the morning, and we opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. Behold, there was his concubine laying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let us be going. But there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. So at this point, this woman who's been abused all night and, and raped uh, forcibly uh, by a lot of, lot of men, uh, you know, they, 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 they beat her up and, and, and abuse her so bad that, that uh, she could barely get back to the house where they were staying. Uh, and when she did, she got there to the threshold, got her hands up there, and presumably she died there. Uh, it doesn't specifically say that, but in the morning, when the Levite got up to leave, he was like, okay, time to get going, get up. And no movement, no answer. So he just, it would seem like from the text that he just basically picked her up, threw her over the donkey, and they went on their way. Um Verse 29, when he entered his house, he took a knife, taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into twelve pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. So the, the man, the Levite, took his, his wife, his concubine, took her back home, cut her up in a bunch of pieces, sent a piece uh, into 12 pieces, sent one to every tribe uh, in Israel to 
basically make a uh, make a real point here, uh, and it's something that they said it never had been done in in the, in, in the nation of Israel. So then we go to the next chapter, uh, chapter twenty. It says then all the people of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, and the congregation assembled as one man to the Lord of Mizpah. And the chiefs of all the people and all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 men on foot that drew the sword. In uh, verse 3 it says, Now the people of Benjamin heard that the people of Israel had gone unto Mizpah. And the people of Israel said, Tell us, how did this evil happen? And the Levite, and the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin. I and my concubines spend the night. So the man, he starts telling his story from his point of view. I'm sure he left out some of the details about how he threw the, his concubine out into the mob uh, or what he did when she found her on the next morning in, on the doorstep. But uh, he told him about how his, how his concubine was treated and how she died. And he's asking counsel to all these, these, uh, these, these men of Israel. There's 400,000 that have, that have gathered now. Uh, and, you know, these 400,000 men, they're not there just for a, for a a picnic or a party. I mean, these are the these are the fighting men. These are the men of war. They've, they have sensed that something has gone bad, and they're ready to do something about it. So, uh, of that four hundred thousand that are there, there's eleven of the tribes that are there, eleven of the twelve, uh, and they decide. Well, after hearing the story, you know what we're going to do? We're going to march on over to Gibeah. And we're just going to take care of them. We're just going to destroy it, kill everybody. That's what they're going to do. Even though Gibeah is still in part of Israel, it's still you know the, their their brethren. Uh, they said they got to they've got to wipe out this this evil, get rid of this this uh, this these terrible these terrible men. Uh, that's what they're going to do. That's eleven of the twelve tribes say that. However, the tribe of Benjamin, which is where Gibeah is located, they decide. We're going to stand with the city. So now we have a civil war, nation of Israel. And verse 13, it says, Now for, therefore give up the men, the worstest fellows of Gibeah, that we may put them to death and purge the evil from Israel. But the Benjamites would not listen to the voice of the brothers who were the people of Israel. In verse 15, it says, And the people of Benjamin mustered out their cities on that day, 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who mustered uh, 700 chosen men. And the men of Israel, apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of war. So you have Benjamin. They've got 26,000 plus the one in Gibeah, 2,700. So 26,700 versus 400,000. So, I mean, you can kind of imagine what's going to happen here. It's going to be a slaughter, okay? But it didn't happen that way. The first two days, the Benjamites actually drove the other tribes back. And it killed over 43,000 of the of the rest of the tribes of Israel. Uh, they did that for two days, but eventually the men of Israel went back and they cried to the Lord and fasted and gave offerings to the Lord. Obviously, the Lord was looking for some kind of, you know, acknowledgement that hey, I'm still your God. Uh, uh, the eleven tribes did that, and on the third day, Israel set up an ambush and drew the Benjamites out of the city, flanked around behind them. Uh, and then they attack the city. All well, the, the fighting men are out of the city uh, in the battle, 
So they went around, went in the city, set the city on fire. Uh, and then Benjamin was then surrounded. They had army in the front, army behind them in the city. Uh, and they turned around, looked behind them, saw the city on fire. Uh, they realized they were in a, it was going to be a disaster for them. Uh, out of the 26,000 uh, fighting men of, of, of Benjamin, only 600 of them survived. And they fled to get away. And then the rest of, the, the, of Israel went, went in and went through all the, the, the area of the, the tribe of Benjamin and wiped out everybody, women, children, animals, every, everybody. So it was only 600 men was all that was left of the tribe of Benjamin. And that's chapter 20. Chapter 21. Israel realizes now that they've got a problem. <laughs> like they didn't have enough problems here going on. Uh, but their next problem is now they have a tribe of, of their, their brethren, Benjamin, that is, is just about to become extinct. So in chapter 21, verse 1, Now the men of Israel had sworn at Mizpah, no one, no one of us shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin. There were two oaths, oaths that they, they did while they were there meeting in Benjamin, the 400,000 of them, the 11 tribes. What are we going to do about this? We're going to go and we're going to wipe out Gibeah and we're going to wipe out Benjamin and because of this, this evil. And none of us are going to give them, our daughters, to be wives. That was the one oath they did. The other one says, and if any of the other people, any of the other tribes, they don't want to come and fight with us, well, then... We're going to destroy them too. So we're it's all it's, we're all in this together. All the eleven tribes. They said we're all in this together, and that was the two things that they said. Uh, so in verse six, chapter twenty-one, verse six, it says, "And the people of Israel had compassion for Benjamin, their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel this day. What shall what shall we do for the wives for those who are left? Since we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give any of them our daughters for wives." So. They can't give any. They can't. They've got this. They've got a real problem here. They can't give them any any women, so they can build the tribe of Benjamin back up because they've taken an oath, right? Uh, and they wouldn't want to go back on their oath. It's okay what they've done so far, but they won't want to go back on what they on their promise. So, uh, verse seven. What should we do for those? Okay, verse eight. Sorry. And and they said, what one is there of the tribes of Israel that did not come up to the Lord to Mizpah? And behold, no one to come up to camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. So they've, or in verse 9 it says, For when the people were mustered, behold, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there. So now they've, oh, we, we've, got an, we've got a new plan. So we've got the two oaths, remember? One of them said, We can't give any daughters to Benjamin. That's their, that's their oath. That's the promise they've made. And the other one says, If anybody doesn't come with us to fight, then. We're going to take them out too. So they found their scapegoat and the people at Jabesh Gilead. They didn't come to fight. And rather than to go and say, hey, why do you guys come and help us? They just said, no, they didn't come to fight. We're going to go take, we're going to destroy them. So they decided to attack the city of Jabesh Gilead, kill everyone except for the unmarried females. So they brought out 400 young virgins from the city and killed everyone else. So there's 600 Benjamites left. There's now 400 women for them. 
400 wives of them, and they're not technically breaking their oath, uh, but there's still 200 of the Benjamites that did not have a wife. So they've kind of taken care of the problem on their own, they thought, even though they've done terrible things to do it. Um, verse 16 says, Now the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for the wives for those who are left, since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? Remember, there's still 200 of them that don't have wives because there's only 400 uh, virgins that were in Jabesh Gilead that they, they, let, they let survive. So in verse 17, they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin, the tribe, not be blotted out from Israel. Yet we cannot give them wives from our daughters. There's that oath again. For the people of Israel is sworn, cursed to be he, he who gives a wife to Benjamin. So they said, Behold, there's a yearly feast of the Lord at Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, the south of Libona. Okay, there's an interesting thing about this city of Shiloh. The city of Shiloh, uh, I need my map back up here, but it's several slides back, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but Shiloh is located uh, in Ephraim, and Shiloh is a time since Jerusalem has not been is not the capital of Israel yet, uh, because the Jebusites were still there. Uh, Shiloh is where the Ark, is, the Ark of the Tabernacle is located, and the tabernacle and everything. So that is kind of like the place where everybody's supposed to go to worship God. Now they remember doing it. Matter of fact, it's interesting in that verse, they had to say, okay, there's a yearly feast at Shiloh. Oh, we have, we're supposed to have a yearly feast? Well, yeah, you're supposed to have a yearly feast. You're supposed to have three of them, because that's what it says back in, in the books of Moses. You're supposed to do these things. Nobody's been doing them. They've forgotten they got God completely. Not only have they forgotten God completely and where his tabernacle is located, they don't even know how to get there. So they have to say the is Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east highway that goes out from Bethel to Shechem. I mean, they had to give them directions to even get there to where, nowhere, where they were supposed to be going anyway on their own. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, this is they're in, in a total shambles as far as their relationship with God. Um. Uh, so they're going to have this feast here, a yearly feast. And in verse 20, it says, And they commanded the people of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in ambush in the vineyards and watch. If the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in the, da come out to dance in the dances and come out of the vineyard to snatch each man his wife from the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. So during the feast, one of the things they do is they have a dance ceremony. And it is common. Uh, there's a lot of, I, I know I went to a Messianic Jewish camp. Uh, kind of retreat thing. Uh, they they had some some ladies there that were doing traditional Hebrew dances and things like that, and they're not they're not there's nothing provocative about them. They're just it's a worship thing for them. Um, and so during the, the dancing part of, of the ceremonies and stuff that they had with the feast, uh, they said, "Hey, you men, 200 men of Benjamin, once you go hide in the bushes over here, and when the women come out to dance, just take one." So that's what they did. <laughs> they told the Benjamite men, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, and they told the Benjamite men, and it's like, hey, don't worry about it. If the fathers of the brothers of uh, those women that you've taken, if they would complain about it, we'll just we'll just vouch for you. We'll tell them and we'll remind them that this is okay because uh, they're not giving their daughters to, 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 the, to the you men of Benjamin. They're they've been stolen. So that way they didn't break their oath again. It's all about, you know, their oath. Even though 
they and they think that they're doing good things because they're not they're keeping their word they're not breaking their oath even though they're doing such bad things by kidnapping women and, and taking them and hauling them off to be their wives so in verse 23 it says and the people of Benjamin did so and took their wives according to their number from the dancers whom they carried off then they went and returned to their inheritance and rebuilt the towns and lived in them and the people of Israel departed from there at that time every man to his tribe and family and they went out from there every man to his inheritance and in those days there was no king in Israel everyone did what was right in his own eyes so now Problem solved. Benjamin has now the 600 men that are left. They've all got wives, and everybody's happy, and they all go back to their inheritance, and everybody does what's right in the sight of his own eyes. I said, it, it, this, this, I mean, is it, this is the, the things that are happening here, and it's recording God's word. And it, like I said, the reason why it's in here is to show how preposterous the things that are that, that this, this godly people, the people that are supposed to be God's chosen people, how, how they're acting. Um, you know, and and they're doing what is right and and what what they think. Well, this is okay. This is what we feel is good. So this is what we're gonna do. Uh, and I've I think I've probably said it up here before that you know when I go to graduation ceremonies for high school graduations, uh, and you have a student, somebody who's 17 or 18 years old, and goes up there and they give speeches, you know, because they made the best grades in their class, which. That's good. That that's commendable to make good grades on that. But they're going up there and they're, and they're giving their, their fellow classmates a speech, and a lot of times there's wisdom in it about what they should do. And I've heard it over and over again about how they they're one of their pieces of advice is you should follow your heart. Follow your heart. That's what you should do in life. The best thing to do is follow your heart, which according to the Bible is the exact opposite thing you should do. If you're following your heart, you're doing what is right in your own eyes, uh, not necessarily what's right in God's eyes. In Jeremiah 17, 9, uh, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts being, and then when I talk about the heart, I'm talking about uh, uh, not the one that's beating inside of you, not that physical thing that's, that's keeping you alive, but I'm talking about... Uh, you know, your actual uh, conscience, consciousness, um, and it's you know, and it's 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 what makes makes us do what we do. Uh, it's deceitful. It's 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 not good at all. Uh, and in King James version, it says it's desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. We all have a wicked heart. We have a sinful heart. We have a sinful nature. That's what happens when sin came into the world back. In the beginning, with with Adam and Eve, uh, so we can't not trust our own hearts. We cannot trust our own judgment to do what's right in our own eyes. We always have to be looking back to the Word of God, you know. And technically, the men of Israel had not violated their oath, uh, not given their daughters to tribe mention. Instead, they violated the season of Jabesh Gilead, which was in Gad. Uh, which, you know, that's one of their brethren, too. And they killed all the males and married women. And, and then they stole the women from Shiloh, not to mention, you know, going in and wiping out the, the Benjamin, almost, uh, which was caused by the, the, the atrocities they were doing 
You know, in the first thing with, with the, the homosexual rape and everything they want to do, they, you'll, they all at the time thought that was each one of them in their hearts, in their own hearts thought, well, this is what this is okay for us to do. Um, and you remember, these atrocities were committed by people who were God's chosen people, and they were only one generation removed from Joshua, who was a leader uh, who showed them how to serve God properly. Now, how soon they forgot, uh, how soon they forgot their God. Um, and, you know, and ironically, even though they almost wiped out one of their own tribes, the, thing, the other things that led up to all this was they would not, could not, I don't know, what, for whatever reason, they wouldn't go and wipe out the, the people that lived in the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, when God told them that's what you should be doing. This is going to be your land. I'm giving it to you. Take all the people in there, drive them out. I'll help you do it. God did it for, for them in a lot of cases. Sent hornets in there. Hey, who's going to stick around if a hornets are driving you out? And these are probably some of these murder hornets they've been talking about on the news too. Um, you know, God was going to do everything. God was going to make it possible for all the things to happen that he had promised for them. And they just kind of ignored it. You know, when a younger generation abandons the faith of their fathers and starts making compromises, it's not long before chaos and wickedness will erupt. In Romans chapter 1, uh, starting verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they came, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This would be making the idols that they all that they had a, such a problem with, the idolatry, which started back during the time of Moses. When Moses was away, what did they do? First thing they did, made a golden calf, made an idol. Uh, and that became a thorn in their side for many generations. Therefore God gave them up, in verse 24, gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dis dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women, pursuing with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So, even in the New Testament, it's so looking back. Um, this is possibly looking back to the time of Noah, but it could also be looking back to the time of the judges here, how the, God's people just basically forgot, forgot about him. Uh, and when they forgot about him, they started doing evil, wicked things. Um, and you know, and, and and as I'm reading these passages, I'm thinking, and why would why would this be included in, in this in the Bible? You know, well, God has a reason for it all. Uh, uh, you know, and and these passages at the end of the Book of Judges, you know, if you were to make a a, a list of, of of things where in the Bible it's like I'm, when you're reading down through, it's like, well. If I would have been there, I wouldn't have done that. You know, 
you think about how uh, how, how you know the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and, and, and the Sadducees in the time of Jesus, how they said this is not Messiah, even though he's doing so many miracles and things that were prophesied that he would do. They said, no, this is not the man. We need he's he's an imposter. We need to put him on a cross. We need to, we need to kill him. You know, in a cruel, the most cruel and, and a way that we could possibly do it. And so that's what they did. You read that passage. We read that passage today. It's like, well, I would have done that. I would have supported something like that. Yet, uh, it's always easy, so so easy to look back and say that we would have done, we never done something like this, or never followed such wicked and sinful leaders. And we we all get uh, pulled into that trap, though. I think sometimes. Many Christians love to, and I'm among them sometimes. As a matter of fact, we talked about it in Sunday school a little bit today. You know, we, we're so judgmental of others. Uh, well, look what they're doing. You know, look how, how they work. If somebody walks into church here, I've even heard, heard an evangelist tell, say before, and this makes perfect sense. He's like, you know, if Jesus himself walked into that door looking like he looked, you know, when, when he was alive, we would probably say, dude, you... You don't belong here, because uh, we're so judgmental. Even you know, even we're still we're supposed to be, be be good Christians, everything like that. We have we have that bad tendency to decide what's right in our own eyes. This th- what you're doing is not right. You shouldn't be doing that. And we kind of overlook the things that we are doing, which in God's eyes are bad, really, really bad, because God views all sin as bad. And he hates it all, but you know, it's I'm not doing this. I'm not doing something as bad as what what these men, you know, in the book of Judges did, of course. So, yeah, I'm not quite as bad. Well, we all are. We're all sinners. And when we do what's right in our own eyes, it's not going to be long before that wickedness and evil really prevails in our life, and it just keeps getting a little worse and worse and worse. For example, you know, we may not, like I said, we may not be doing these abomination atrocities described in, in Judges, but, you know, maybe we just took some office supplies from work. It's not so bad. Maybe we're just driving, you know, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. So, you know, 9, you're fine. 10, you're mine. That's what, you know, that's what people say. But still, you know, that 9 miles an hour over the speed limit could lead to coming up behind somebody and interrogating them. And you get out of my way, and then there's they slow down or something like that, and it's in a road rage, and you know, then you go around to pass them and pull out in front of somebody else or something like that, you know. And we've all heard stories about how somebody actually shot somebody else on the highway because of their driving. Like I said, and that's just a just a simple example of how things can elevate because we're doing well. Yeah, that's not so bad. I think I can get away with this. I think it'd be okay, and it's not okay. The good thing about all this story here is that the Lord is still merciful in all situations. Remember, like I said, I believe that these events in the book of Judges happened near the beginning of the book. And God continued to provide another answer, another uh, way of salvation for his people over and over. Still cycles of, of rebellion, oppression, uh, uh uh, you know, crying out and then and then you know, repenting and then all the way up to salvation. He kept doing that. He kept giving them mercy, even though they kept sinning 
and he does that for us too. Uh, the other good thing that, that has happened since this, this, this time of the Old Testament is that that king that they said that at the time that Israel had no king, well, they do have a king now. He is Jesus. He came to earth as a man. He lived a perfect life. He didn't come at that time to set up his kingdom on earth, but he will be doing that. Uh, you know, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the final answer. Uh, the one who was supposed to be the king of Israel, at the, even during this time when they said there was no king, it was because they weren't following the king, and that would have been God, would have been Jesus at that time, as well as all the times. They just, you know, and eventually God did set up some earthly kings, kind of temporary fix, I guess, but the final king, Jesus, he's the one that's going to come and establish his kingdom once and for all. And when we, even when we look at the things that are happening currently in the world today, you know, there's a lot of division among, among and this just isn't in our country here right now. Um, probably not the worst time we've ever been through. If you look back in the middle of the 1800s when a lot of, when actually the United States was in its own civil war, probably a little bit more divided then. But, you know, there's a lot of division right now. Uh, and, that's something that we should be definitely be praying about, uh, you know. But it definitely points towards that time when Jesus is going to come, and it could be coming soon. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be I don't know when. It does. The Bible is not clear about that, and and only God the Father knows when. But if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, um, you won't be included in that kingdom, and. That's something that everybody needs to make that decision for themselves. Not the decision of what I think is right, but what the Bible says is right. And the Bible says that it's right to trust Jesus as your Savior. That's the only way for eternal life in heaven with, with God and with, with Him someday. So if you've never done that today, uh, you could do it today and be part of, part of God's kingdom. Uh, in Acts 2.21, the, the most simple way it tells us how to do it is you've got to call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Because uh, you know, pray to God, ask Him to save you, and He'll do it. You got to realize your sinful condition. But we all have it. Uh, maybe we don't have as what we think is a sinful condition as they did in these books of the Old Testament. But to God, it's still a sinful condition, and we gotta we've got to get that taken care of. The only way to do that is through salvation in Jesus. So. Um, Let's just have a little prayer here, and then we'll come up, and we got another song we're going to play. Um, so let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for for your word, and, and Lord, even even when there's there's hard passages that you put in your word, that, that there's still great things to, to learn from it, and how your mercy your mercy is has and always will be there for us. Uh, Lord, I just pray that if anybody here does not know you, the Savior, that today would be the day that they could. They get that taken care of. And we love you, Lord. Uh, blessed be your holy name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.